Welcome to the Seeing Red Podcast. That's right, that's right. It is another edition here of the Seeing Red Podcast. My name is Troy Moriello and I am your host, as always, bringing you up to date and up to speed on all things St. John's basketball. And St. John's fans, if you're not pumped up right now, if you're not fired up right now, if you're not a little bit pissed off right now that this team still isn't undefeated after Saturday night, then I don't know what to tell you. Because this team has a real argument as the number one team in the Big East, as the best team in the Big East, because they just went out and flat out dominated the Marquette Golden Eagles. The Marquette Golden Eagles team, who a lot of people had as the best team, as a team to beat in the Big East going into conference play. A Marquette Golden Eagles team that was riding high, that was 16th ranked in the country. A Marquette Golden Eagles team that had what a lot of people thought was the Big East player of the year in Marcus Howard. And St. John's flat out dominated them from the opening tip right before halftime. And then as the second half went going, Marquette never really threatened St. John's in that second half. What a win for St. John's. Shimori Pons, you could tell he was pissed off. I think he echoed the fan base there because he came out on fire. He took over that game from the start, went quiet for a little bit in the first half, and then took over again right before the second half. He made his case for Big East Player of the Year and just a dominant win for St. John's and really a statement, statement win for St. John's. And this is an angry team. This is an angry St. John's team. This is the most talented team in the Big East, and they showed tonight that they can beat anyone in this conference. They can dominate anyone in this conference, because that was an outstanding win for the Red Storm. All five all five starters did a great job. It really, all of their points actually came from their starters. Only two points came from the bench, and they were in garbage time. Uh, Pons led the way with 26, four of seven from three-point range, and a couple of them were just, you know, launches before, uh, before the half and at the end of the game. Marvin Clark had a great game. Justin Simon, an underrated game, locking up Marcus Howard. Uh, LJ Figueroa had a couple big plays. Mustafa Heron was really quiet in the first half, and I think had all the 16 of his points in the second half. Uh, you know, So really a dominating win, a win that was really, really needed, and I think that this is a pissed-off St. John's team. <laughs> and I'm not sure uh, what it, we're going to look like on Saturday, but if, if they play like that and if they come out fired up, like they did, and if Carneseca Arena is bumping like they, like it was tonight, and if the Garden can replicate that in any way, this is a team that you do not want to play. You do not want to mess with this team because they've they've really shown through the first two Big East games that I think they are one of the few teams to beat in this conference for sure. They've put themselves in that conversation tonight. Now it's a matter of hanging on and staying, you know, in that upper echelon of the Big East because they have the talent. They they certainly have the talent. You saw it tonight on both ends of the floor, and and this should be a team that. That is at the top of the Big East when it's all said and done, uh, you know, regardless of refereeing or blown calls or, you know, undefeated streaks ending. No, this this team should be at the top of the Big East when it's all said and done. And if they're not, there's going to be major problems because this is a very, very talented team that now has an edge. You know, I, I think that there was an edge. That you know, idea that they were not ranked in the top 25. They were the only undefeated team not ranked in the top 25. But I think that that was more of you know a respect type thing. Now 
this is a team that is angry, and this is a fan base that is angry, but is, as, as they were saying on the broadcast, it is a controlled anger. This is a controlled anger for whoever stands in the St. John's way, and we'll see how they come out in a couple days uh, on Saturday when they play next, but this is a team that is angry right now, and I love it, and I love watching that game, and I hope that they can replicate that type of performance in as many games as possible this season. But now let's get into a little bit more of an in-depth breakdown and a little bit more of a coherent breakdown after uh, my rambling there. And let's bring in our guy, Brendan Myers. He's going to join the show for, I think, a third time now, but uh, definitely the first time that we've had him on after a real big win. Uh, so we're, we're interested to hear his thoughts on the win. We will break it down a little bit more in depth, and I will be back on the other side to take us home tonight on this huge 89-69 win over the 16th-ranked Marquette Golden Eagles, the statement win for St. John's, and I hope you guys enjoy. Okay, here comes Brendan Myers now. Uh, he joins us for, I think, the third time this season, I, I said, and it's it's uh, definitely the biggest win of the season that uh, Brendan has come on after, so how you doing, Brendan? It's good, you know, after, what was it, Loyola and Maryland Eastern Shore, I think, were the other two opponents that I came on after, <laughs> so Marquette's definitely a little bit of a different story. Exactly, you got called for the big leagues for this one, dude. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, uh, a huge win for St. John's, a 20-point win, a dominant win. Uh, I mean, your overall thoughts, man, is, is this, like, I think this is the best team in the Big East. At least right now, they looked on paper, through their first two games, they look like the best team in the Big East. Well, yeah, I mean... John Rostin says or argues a good point that they have on paper the most talented roster, mm-hmm. but that's a different story than the best team because it all depends on how the St. John's roster comes out and plays. And tonight they showed what they're capable of. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it was good to see. I I thought going into this game that St. John's biggest opponent wasn't gonna wasn't actually going to be Marquette. It was going to be their own heads. Mm-hmm. How are they going to react to? I mean, you don't want to keep. Uh, kicking a dead horse, but how are they going to respond after such a controversial and draining ending to that Seton Hall game? And they passed that test with flying colors. Mm-hmm. And I think that had to be in the backs of everyone's heads, really. That you know, mm-hmm. the, the Biggie start last season too, knowing that you know they did they had a tough game against Georgetown coming up. They have a tough game against Villanova coming up. So you kind of wonder, like, we're playing a top twenty-five team here. Could this kind of spiral out of control? And I wonder if that was in the players' heads. But if it if it was, it definitely didn't show. No, it definitely didn't show. And, Troy, one thing about Georgetown is when Georgetown and St. John's play, you know, records can kind of be thrown out the window because mm-hmm. the program, while well, they have been down in years past, it's a rivalry game. Yeah. So if St. John's didn't get this one to go, they easily could, on the road in Washington on Saturday, easily could have gone to 0-3. Mm-hmm. But they came out and they played it with an emphatic performance. And it, it was encouraging to see because you wanted to see how – and St. John's did play well for stretches of – actually most of the Seton Hall game, but then down the stretch they kind of faltered, which put the the referees in the position to, we'll say, make the call that they did. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But this was pretty much a complete performance. Aside from maybe a two-minute stretch in each half, St. John's really played a nice, we'll say, 36 minutes to control this one against Marquette. Yeah, and I think that's that's my biggest takeaway, I think, like you mentioned, is is that Seton Hall game, that second half, was pretty much played between, what would you say, like a 7-12 to 12 point window until Seton Hall made their run. And this right. kind of felt reminiscent of that where, you know, they would get it up to 10 or they would get it up to 12 and then Marquette would hit a shot. And then it just never felt like they were going to pull away. And then they finally do pull away. It shows that, you know, I guess they're learning from past mistakes. Uh, that's really the most impressive part of the win for me. 
Yeah, I like on because I actually wasn't in Queens tonight for the game. I was watching on TV and covering it. But one of the things on the Fox Sports broadcast that I liked is that the broadcasters were saying that Chris Mullen said the team needed to play with controlled anger, mm-hmm. which I think is an important clarification. Because if you just go out there and you play with anger after what happened against you, know, you would have been playing out of control. Mm-hmm. But they were able to control their emotions, and they came out from the start on fire. And I think that's what helped. But one thing that I want to say is that Shamori Pons is probably going to get headlines. You know, he had the 26 points, the 7 rebounds, and the 5 assists. But if I'm Chris Mullen, I'm giving the game ball to Marvin Clark because in a time like this, you need your senior to step up in a leadership role. And he came out and had one of his best performances mm-hmm. since he's transferred in from Michigan State and probably what will be the most important game of the season. Mm-hmm. I agree. And, and you know, I guess let's start there. The, the defense on Marcus Howard, too, was, was unbelievable tonight. You know, you know, what they hold him to, eight points. He really never got going in this game. I think we were all kind of waiting for, for Howard to get going. He was 2 of 15 from the field they they shut him down and that was I mean I know it was Justin Simon for the most part I think Justin Simon really played really the most underrated game of his St. John's career uh, tonight yeah he did he looked really aggressive on the offensive end and you know what you're gonna get from Justin Simon on defense with Mm -hmm. how lengthy he is and how much of a matchup nightmare he can be but also when they threw Mustafa Heron on Marcus Howard saw him get switched on to him a couple times. He played good, strong defense on him. And when Marvin Clark got switched out, I know I keep talking about Marvin Clark, but when he got switched out on the Marcus Howard, he he did what I thought to be a relatively good job staying in front of Howard and not letting him get a clean release off. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's the the so-called best player in the Big East, and he shot 2 of 15. That's like, I didn't see that coming at all. And he wasn't even playing the last four minutes. I mean, you talk about a dominant performance. I think that, in terms of player performances, is the most impressive thing for me, is is holding him to such a bad game from the field. And he's not going to have many like that. But, you know, he he wasn't even missing too many open shots either. It was like just a dominant performance on him. No, and it was definitely worrisome because you saw when Marquette played Buffalo, Marcus Howard had five points at halftime yeah. and exploded for 40 points in the second half. So just kind of watching that game is like, when's he going to start? When's he going to start? <laughs> All he needs is one to go, and then he's going to go on. He could honestly go on an 18-point run himself. He's that kind of player. Mm-hmm. So it was good to see that St. John's was able to keep him in check. And, yeah, Troy, he really didn't even play for the last, I want to say, five minutes. Yeah, which was kind of odd. I mean, the game wasn't totally over at that point it felt like it was it was down its way to being over but then it was really officially over and he didn't come back in but um holding Marquette too to, I mean 69 points is an, is an incredibly low uh scoring margin but you know six of 21 from three-point range for Marquette they only shot about 41 percent from the field for St. John's I, I let me know if you agree with me here but you know what you're going to get on the offensive end like you said but on the on the defensive end t- tonight incredible and when they play that inspired on defense i think they're they're they show tonight they're one of the best teams in the big east yeah and one thing i noticed I mean, marquette did have 12 turnovers which i would say is about an average amount of turnovers is nothing crazy high nothing crazy low but especially in that first half st john's was not giving them anything easy their hands were in every single passing lane they were playing physical defense so even when marquette would score Everything was just so labored, and they had to work so hard for everything they have. Which you really haven't seen them do all season. Like Marquette's, you know, been getting so many easy baskets all season, especially Howard. Just getting those easy baskets, having to work for them, I think was was a huge, huge uh, difference in that game. And and also, you know, you know, they got Marquette into foul trouble early in the second half too. Uh, uh, Howard, what do you have? Four fouls, I think. Uh, their big guy, uh, House, both of the Housers had four fouls too. So I mean, really, just like a, a very good like intangibles type game for St. John's. Um, what about the turnovers too in the second half? Would they have one in the second half? Did they have any in the second half? 
Yeah, I think they did have one towards the end. Yeah. But it was definitely encouraging because they had nine in the first half. And the one frustrating thing was that most of the turnovers were coming off the failed alley-oop passes. Which which is, oh my God. (laughs) Driving me insane watching it just because they're very unforced errors and extremely preventable. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, that that's that's the thing. I can't take the alley oops anymore. I think I, I tolerated them in, in non conference play in Big East though. It's just like come on guys. Like if it's there, yes, but like it's not there sometimes and they're just they're still doing them. But um yeah, that that I like seeing that with the turnovers too because I uh, Shimori had a couple in the first half as well. I like seeing second half adjustments with this team, which is I feel like something that we really hadn't seen in the last couple of years under Chris Mullen. We're really seeing them this year, and at least in this game, we definitely saw them. Exactly, that was one of the biggest criticisms was of this team was yeah, well, Chris Mullen is still relatively unproven as a coach, and to see those type of second half half adjustments, and obviously it's the players not turning the ball over, but still it's the coaches doing something different, drawing up different offensive sets to put the players in better positions, which was helping them not turn the ball over. Exactly, and and let's talk a little about Shamori Pons now. I mean, all in all, I think that was his best game of, of the year when you consider the circumstances. I mean, he's had a lot better scoring games, but, but you know, when you consider coming off of the loss, coming off of the loss that in some ways, you know, you can pin some of the blame on him for missing that front end of the one and one down the stretch in that Seton Hall game. He came out, you, we, I'm sure you saw the, the tweet that he sent after the game. Yep. He, was, he was certainly, you know, fired up and he came out and he was on fire and then he really took that game over right before halftime. Um, would you say this was his best game of the year? Or one of them? It's hard to argue against the near triple double that he had, uh-huh. but I think, like you mentioned, Troy, given the circumstances of the game, he really took over tonight. I mean, he was hitting threes from all over the place in, in the first half, which really got. Because when you're playing at home, you got to get the crowd into it, especially coming off a game like the one against, you know, you have <laughs> to give the crowd something to cheer about. And when Shamori hit the back to back threes towards the end of the half, from about five feet behind the arc. It was plays like that that was able to allow St. John's to control the momentum for most of the game. I mean, we really didn't see Marquette make a true, true run during this game. No, no yeah, never. Like, like, the only runs that Marquette was making, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it felt like the only runs they were making was when, like, St. John's would get the lead up to 15 and then it went back down to 9. Or, like, St. John's right. got the lead to 17 and went back down to 11. Like, it was, yeah, like you said, it wasn't ever, you know, a close game. And then Marquette, they had the one run, I believe... I want to say it was it was seven zero, and it got them I think a twenty two twenty one lead if I'm not mistaken. But besides that, like yeah. yeah, they never really took like built on a lot of momentum, which is huge as well. Um, yeah, which again is a big thing. And sorry to cut you off. No, go ahead. It's, go a, ahead. it's great for St. John. It's a great sign for St. John's fans that they were able to control that run from Marquette and push the game forward and able to control the tempo themselves and not let Marquette take over the game mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the crowd too uh, let's talk about that first what a crowd tonight on a holiday too it's oh, happy new year by the, by the way <laughs> the, the crowd on a, on a holiday um that was awesome I, I i've heard carnesecca arena get loud it was up there tonight with with like the loudest that i've ever heard it tonight and you had John McEnroe in attendance. Yeah. So you had a nice little celebrity row down there. <laughs> yeah, I thought I thought McEnroe. Uh, I, I, I'm I'm trying I'm trying to remember what play it was, but they showed uh, McEnroe. He's going for the high five with Mustafa Heron. I thought he was, was going right to right after Heron's dunk. Yeah, I thought he was going to get left hanging there for a second. I was like, come on, you got to high five McEnroe. But um, <laughs> but um, yeah. I mean, like that crowd to me, it shows you. Like this, this city and this area will get behind this team when they are real. Because the the St. John's they do a good job with crowds, even when they're not playing too well. But when they are playing well, this crowd will get behind them. 
Yeah, and I think that's one thing that Anton Goff, when he was still athletic director, wanted to put the foundation on. I think he wanted to turn Carneseca into a real home court advantage for the Red Storm. Mm-hmm. And I think by playing some of the bigger games, because I remember my freshman year, which is two years ago, St. John's played Marquette at the Garden. Mm-hmm. Now, now it's a Carneseca game, and I think when you play those bigger games, obviously the Villanovas and the Georgetowns are going to play at Madison Square Garden. No, no issue with that at all. Mm-hmm. But when you play some of the bigger still important Big East games at Carnesec Arena, it really goes to show that Carnesec, because that place is small, it's a shoebox, and the sound just echoes, and it can be very intimidating with the students sitting literally right on top of the basket. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and I think that, that like it's just a better home court advantage, because I feel like when you're playing at the Garden, it's almost like a neutral court, you know? And, and it's it, I get your point. I, I would love to see them play uh, Villanova or Georgetown at at Carnes. like it's just not going to happen though. You know, right? It's, it's, yeah. It's it's I, I, they they can make money and you know they can sell a lot more tickets uh, for right. those type of games, which makes sense. But I would I would love to see like a St. John's Villanova game at Carnesec Arena. The type of atmosphere that would be. Um, that would be wild. We think we should uh, make a petition for that. Should we? we should we should get that going. I I, I actually like uh, when I think I was a sophomore or a junior and I was like I brought it up to someone. I was like, why don't we play Villanova? Uh, at Carnesec Arena ever and he was, whoever I was talking to was just like money and I was like oh right yeah, yeah they can make, make they can make more just money just, yeah. just make it happen one time one time yeah um, I want to talk a little bit about Mustafa Heron too we covered really the rest of the starters so let's talk about Heron uh, really slow first half for him really nothing in the first half for him I liked, let me know if you noticed this too, the first play that they ran in the second half was getting him the ball. He got fouled. He got fouled. Yeah, I think that was one of the Hauser's third foul, I believe, sent them to the bench, and he gets to the free throw line, gets to see the ball go into the net uh, a couple times. That was a a really, really underrated play, and again, that speaks to Chris Mullen making those halftime adjustments, getting him the ball right away to start the second half. And the one thing that I like about Mustafa Heron so much is that even if his game's not working on the offensive end, it never affects his defense, and mm-hmm. he always remains in attack mode. He never really puts his head down and says, oh, I'm not I'm not getting my points, so I'm going to stop playing defense. And you need those kind of guys on a team that's supposed to go far into the Big East tournament and maybe even into the dance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. And this is, seems like a little bit more of a... Uh, uh, a complaint for one of our first two conversations on this podcast, but the bench didn't really open up a whole lot tonight. Um, they only got really those two points from Greg Williams in, in garbage time. Right. Um, do you have any take on that? I, I mean, I, I don't think it was really necessary to go to the bench a whole lot tonight, to be honest with you. No, and that's the thing. You maybe want to see a little bit more from the bench. They, they, like you said, Troy, they only had the two points, but mm-hmm. really the the offense with the starters remained efficient for the entire 40 minutes. There was no point in the game where I was like, wow, they really need some fresh legs. They had energy the entire game. The ball was moving aside for maybe a two-minute stretch in the second half where you started to get a little nervous. Mm -hmm. But other than that, the offense played really efficient, and there's no reason to disrupt that kind of rhythm when everything's flowing so smoothly. Exactly. And on the bench, uh, C.D. Keita came off. I think he was the first guy off the bench. Didn't have any points, but did have, I, th- I think, is it two blocks he had tonight. Um, I think you're kind of seeing his impact already. You saw it on a couple plays uh, down near the basket where he had a couple block shots. I, you're, I think he's going to be a really big impact player. But obviously, he's going to be a really big impact player for them. Yeah, so one thing, my biggest takeaway from CDK down the night was how much energy he brings. Because if you looked 
on on the bench, on the bench when yeah. he wasn't in the game. He was always on his feet trying to get the crowd pumped up, and that kind of energy and personality flows through when he's on the court because he's always trying to block shots. He's always trying to help. He's the vocal leader on defense when he's in the game. So St. John's is only going to get stronger as he gets healthier. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, he did look a little bit, I don't want to say hobbled tonight, but definitely like a little bit... Um, you know, limited tonight, I guess. But but if he's good to go, he's definitely going to be a big uh, uh, impact player for them. Now, another thing I liked about him, you mentioned that thing on the bench. After the Seton Hall game, the controversial loss, he was one of those guys that was the most vocal on Twitter, like upset about that call. And some people not might not like that, you know, tweeting about the game like that. I really like that. I like a guy that, that wants to be here, that wants to win, that's, that's pissed off that that, that, that that call didn't go his way. I like that. Yeah, I do too. And I think... You know, it gets kind of lost because I, I think I saw this on Twitter. I forget who uh, tweeted it out, so I can't give credit, but I'm definitely not taking it as my own. But they said, if you look at it, this the game against Seton Hall could be a blessing in disguise because it awoke a beast that hadn't been awake at this entire season. I think that's a really good way to look at it, and you can it's definitely got some truth to it because they came out and beat a 16th ranked team in the country by 20 points tonight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually, I actually brought that up in my open and I think it is almost like a, like a, uh, not a wake up call, but it, it could be kind of a, a bittersweet thing for St. John's to, to, to lose in that way. Because I said, you know, the only real motivation for them in non-conference play was the idea that they were, you know, unranked and they were the only unbeaten team that was still unranked. But that's, you know, that's more of a notoriety type thing. No one really cares about the top twenty-five at the end of the day, you know, in college Especially basketball. This early in the season, exactly. So, like, this is real motivation for them, and I'm curious to see how they channel that motivation going forward. Because it's easy to get up for this game. What, what two days later, or three mm-hmm. days later after, you know, the, the the heartbreaking loss. It's easy to get up for this one. I'm curious to see how they they channel this motivation going forward. I mean, Georgetown on Saturday is the quintessential definition of a trap game in sports where you're coming off a big win. You know, Georgetown towards the bottom of the Big East the past couple seasons, Patrick Ewing still getting his foundations established down there in D.C. But, you know, like we mentioned before, record just thrown out the window in a rivalry game. So St. John's going to need to play with the same intensity that they did today for the 40 minutes. I agree. I agree. And, you know, looking ahead on the Big East schedule now, that's, you know, one and one. Uh, that's a decent start. It should be two and zero, oh, obviously. But one and one. Um, what's your kind of outlook now? Has your outlook on this team changed at all in the first two Big East games, or how many like Big East wins are you expecting, or would you be okay with at this point? Uh, it's a tough question right now because the league is just so competitive right now. Mm-hmm. We also haven't seen a lot of teams too at this point. Right, exactly. I'd like to see a little bit more Villanova because I think they're going to continue to get better. Mm-hmm. Creighton looked very, very good yesterday against Providence. Mm-hmm. And and Providence is very talented too. They're just a young team, so you're going to have days where they look unbeatable and you're going to have days where they look extremely beatable, mm-hmm. which they did yesterday against Creighton. Mm-hmm. So the league season's a little bit too young. Obviously, St. John's going to need to get around the 23, 24, maybe even 25 win mark to be an NCAA tournament contention. But one thing I want to ask you, Troy, I have a question for you now. Yeah, go ahead. So say St. John's is kind of on the bubble mm-hmm. come NCAA selection time. Mm-hmm. How do you think the committee is going to view the loss against Seton Hall? I, I don't know because that, that's a great question. I don't, I don't know because like, – like, you talk about, I'm scared that, you know, the AP voters this week 
gave them one vote. That shows me that a lot of people were not really watching that game. You know what I mean? So I'm a little bit nervous that the committee may not like, like the committee may just see that they lost to Seton Hall and may not factor in what happened. Cause it didn't really garner like a whole lot of a national audience. You know what I mean? So I'm a little bit nervous that, that, that might just end up being like a blip on the radar of a lot of people on the committee's, uh, you know, screens. But I, I don't know. That's a tough question. I, I think if they're on the bubble, it, it, I don't know. I don't know. That's a, that's a, what do you think? I don't know. I don't know because echoing your sentiment there, I was reading a, a certain college basketball writer who, when he was doing like buy, hold, or sell stocks mm-hmm. um, for the past week in college basketball, his write-up said that Seton Hall took care of business against St. John's, mm-hmm. which if you watched any second of that game, you know is completely not true. Exactly. St. John's controlled it for about 35 minutes and then choked it away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, that pretty much goes to show that maybe they're not watching and they don't know how that game ended. Yeah, they might know that there was a controversial finish, but they might not know how bad the call was blown. Exactly. So that, that's why I'm a little bit worried. But at the end of the day, this team, they have the talent to not be a bubble team. They should not be. This team right. should be an easy, you know, top three team in the Big East should not even be on the bubble, to be honest with you. Right. And to be fair, aside from the call, the team is way too talented to squander the lead like they did against Seton Hall. I agree. I agree. And, there was and, no reason to be in that situation in the first place. No, I, I agree completely. But like we said, you know, maybe that's a wake-up call. We saw it tonight, so this might be a wake-up call going forward that that won't happen again. You know, that type of game won't happen again, you know? Yeah, that kind of experience can be a huge curse if you let it uh, kind of simmer the way it did or it can be a huge blessing if you uh, say All right, we need to be mentally tough now we need to keep moving forward exactly maybe that'll end up being a, a turning point you know for this, for this season and maybe for this program who knows being, uh, being positive <laughs> wouldn't that be ironic as if you know maybe five or ten years from now we look back and say the loss against Seton Hall Exactly. Is what, is what changed the St. John's basketball program. Imagine that. <laughs> um, uh, do you have anything else you want to hit on, man? We we kind of jumped all over the place there, but I think we got a good amount of uh, of, of the coverage of that game in. Yeah, apologize to the listeners because this was kind of, definitely kind of all over the place. <laughs> well, I told you before, I'm, I'm like I'm all over the place right now. I'm still pumped up over the, after the win. We're not even an hour out of it, you know, so I'm, I'm still pumped. <laughs> Yeah, no, I don't have anything else to add. All right, dude. Um, thank you again for coming on. Obviously, very short notice. I just texted you a couple hours ago. So uh, thank you for coming on. I'm happy that we got you on after a, a meaningful game this time and that we can, you know, not, we don't have to, like, preface it by saying, like, it was Loyola or it was Maryland. <laughs> we can just, you know, talk about the game for once. So, it was Marquette. Uh, yeah, exactly. It was, Mar- it was only Marquette. So, um, but, yeah, thank you for coming on, man, and um, we'll definitely have you on again, you know. Many Hopefully times. We can make the fourth appearance soon. Exactly. Yes, exactly. And but uh, good luck to you and happy new year, of course. Thanks, Roy. You too. All right. Have a good one, man. You too. All right. Bye. Okay. Another big thank you to Brendan Myers for coming on. Uh, you know, he does a great job as always, and we're happy to actually have him on uh, for a game that sort of meant something and, uh, you know, that we didn't have to, uh, you know, preface it with the opponent. It's a big win for St. John's, and uh, we were kind of all over the place there. Most of that was my fault, but I think we hit on everything that uh, we wanted to hit on there, and I think we hit on everything that you guys would have been interested in as well. So, uh, yeah, I'm pumped up. Uh, you guys should be as well. And I-, I was thinking a little bit of an editor's note here. I was thinking about uh, doing a a quick you know talk about the about the uh the game on saturday night but you know why ruin 
the good vibes of right now. We're all feeling good, whether you're listening on Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, Thursday, Friday. Whenever you're listening to this, you're probably feeling good about St. John, so why ruin that? We all know the story. We all know what happened. There's no need to get into it. Everything that needs to be said about that has been said about that. And, you know, this is the the revenge tour for St. John's. It begins tonight, and let's see where it goes from here. But a huge win for St. John's. If you're not pumped up right now, turn this podcast off because I don't know what to tell you. Huge win. Nothing really negative can be said about it. A crisply played game and a fantastic win for St. John's. Um, I will be back at some point next week. Uh, We probably won't get an episode in after the Georgetown game, so we will see uh, where we go from there. Probably an episode next week, probably after Villanova uh, is is the most logical one. So uh, we'll see about that. In the meantime, I hope everyone had a very happy new year. Um, I was so amped, I completely forgot that it was the New Year's. So uh, happy new year. I hope everyone has a good 2019, a great start to 2019 for St. John's. And uh, I will see you guys again next week, or I'll talk to you guys again next week. And I hope everyone has a great week. And that's it. Let's go, Johnny's.